Welcome back to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast presented by Sip Sports. This is your host, John Ashkar, and today with me, I'm with my co-host, Jack Vandemotter. What's up, what's up? And our good friend, Ethan Heiss. Welcome back, Ethan. Yeah, thanks for having me back, boys. Great to be here. Before we get into our Indians playoff preview, we have a quick message from our sponsor. Support for the Hottest Take Sports Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped who is the best in men's below-the-belt waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HTSP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code HTSP. It helps us out so much. Recently, if you were paying attention or if you follow us on Twitter, at the hottest underscore take pod. We recently did a jersey giveaway um, that just ended today. Congratulations to Young Hefe on Twitter. Manscaped, our partnership with Manscaped allows us to do more things like that, and we plan on doing more things like that in the future. So, again, thank huge thank you to Manscaped, and not to mention their products have been great. All right. It is a great company, so make sure you go check their website out. And let's head into our Indians playoff preview. So the Indian season just ended today, guys. We had an 8-6 win over the Lousy Pirates, and the Indians finished with a record of 35-25, giving them the second-place spot in the AL Central. All right, so some, some of those guys that propelled us to that finish were pitcher Shane Bieber and Jose Ramirez. Shane Bieber's been on a tear this entire season, capitalizing since he won All-Star Game MVP last year, and then he's been just killing it ever since. Kept, kept that momentum going. And then Jose Ramirez, who has really turned it on late. He's been batting like 500 over the last week, and he's been on absolute fire, helping us with those comeback wins that we've been so, so lucky to get. But at the same time, it's perfect time for the Indians to go up. So um, going into us, some other contenders, I'm going to let Ethan take over here for the MVP. Yeah, so outside of our Cleveland own MVP candidate, Shane Bieber and Jose Ramirez, some of the other guys were looking pretty hot are Jose Abreu, the first baseman for the Chicago White Sox, who led the American League in slugging. DJ LeMahieu, second baseman for the New York Yankees, who just won the AL batting title. And uh, Anthony Rendon, who I want to say is tied with Jose Ramirez in F-War for the lead in the AL amongst hitters. Those guys are obviously all separate from someone like Shane Bieber because they are everyday players, unlike a pitcher. And, I mean, Jose Abreu, I... If Shane Bieber or Jose Ramirez aren't winning it, I'm giving it to Abreu because he was on an absolute tear this year with his batting average and hitting for power too, guys. Yeah, 100%. I mean, really when it comes down to it, I think it's, like if we're being realistic, I think it's Shane Bieber and probably Jose Abreu. I love Jose Ramirez, but I don't think he has enough. If you look at it purely statistically, I don't think he has done enough to warrant it just because MVP is such a statistic-based award I feel like right um, obviously his F word is ridiculous and his wins above and he's irreplaceable but statistically he just isn't up there with Abreu because I mean he's just kind of put it on late but Shane Bieber obviously has been on a tear all season um, and really is who I think should win it obviously I'm biased but I'd love to see Shane Bieber take home the Cy Young and MVP yeah I was going to say uh, kind of building off that I really think that Shane Bieber kind of deserves to take home both of these awards and uh, I do think that Jose Abreu has a slight edge on Jose Ramirez, mostly because his batting average is about 30 points higher. But I think some of the things that make Jose Ramirez so special and so deserving of this award 
as we've known for a while, he's an MVP caliber player. He's finished third in AL MVP voting twice in 2017 and 2018. But uh, he had an on-base percentage of 380. He had 17 homers this year, and he stole 10 bases. So that put him in the top 10 in the American League for all of these categories, which is pretty incredible. The one thing that stats can't measure are just his late game appearances and his, just his clutch gene, guys. Like this past week when the Indians had what, like three or four walk offs, Jose was part of every single one in the ninth inning. Like in the 10th in, in inning home run, too, that three run jack. That's something that stats don't measure. Like this guy is coming in clutch for the Indians and he's winning games for us. And, and, and that, it's, it's, it's just something that's irreplaceable. And, and on top of that, like, just to further that point, like when he gets on base, even if he's not the one that's hitting the go-ahead run or the walk-off, like it's it's starting that momentum, and people can rally around him and be like, "Okay, Jose's up to bat. Like we have a chance." So again, like that that stuff that that stats can't measure, and that's probably why his wins above replacement are so high. And is I mean, he's just so so invaluable to this team and to this locker room that he 100 percent deserves some, at least some consideration for this award. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He's truly a five-tool player, and uh, like you said, a lot of that stuff doesn't show up on the stat sheet, like fighting off tough pitches and extending at-bats. And one other person on the Indians that recently got an accolade tonight with the season ending is our starting pitcher, Shane Bieber, who we said is also very, very deserving of the MVP, who was the front runner probably two weeks ago before Jose Ramirez and Jose Abreu just totally lit it up. Shane Bieber won the Triple Crown, guys. He is the first person to win the MLB Triple Crown since 2006. Now, Justin Verlander and Clayton Kershaw both did it back in 2011, but they did it just for their leagues. He's the first person to do it since Johan Santana back in 2006 with eight wins, 122 strikeouts, and a 1.63 ERA. Like you said, those are all league-leading numbers. Clearly just the best pitcher in this 60-game short MLB season. You know, that he was also part of why the Indian starters finished with the best year A in baseball at 3.17. As, as many people know, our starters were lights out for pretty much the entire season, even with the trade of Mike Clevenger, as well as some other pieces. But yeah, again, Shane Bieber has just been a huge part of that. It has really been setting the, the tone for everyone else. Yeah, for real. I mean, Bieber really showed out in the shortened season. And if we were to project these numbers onto a full season where he pitched 200 innings, say, which is even less than he pitched last year, he would have had 315 strikeouts, which would have put him at 43rd in MLB history for most strikeouts by a pitcher in a single season, which is pretty, pretty dang incredible. And like you were saying, he really helped solidify that starting pitching rotation. We said in that first episode we did kind of projecting what the Indian season might look like, that they're probably going to have the best starting rotation in baseball, and they really didn't disappoint even after uh, Mike Clevenger got traded and we got some prospects back. Guys, it's pretty incredible what the Indians were able to do after trading pieces like Kluber, Clevenger, and Bauer. Bauer was probably the best pitcher in the NL, in my opinion, this past season. You trade him away. You trade Clevenger away, who did great for the Padres before he got hurt. 
and you traded Kluber away, who is a two-time Cy Young winner. So it's just incredible what this organization has been able to do with their starting pitching. And then you go and you get that league leading ERA with 3.17. But our pitching didn't stop there, guys. We had the fifth best ERA in baseball among bullpens, which was 353. Yeah, and, you know, our, our bullpen has been shaky at times, but ultimately they've come through. And, like you said, fifth best in baseball, something you love to see, especially going into the postseason. And, and also back to the point about the starters. I mean, I just think that goes to show you how good the Indians' farm system and development system is. Because, like, how many teams would lose, like Trevor Bauer, for example, who's in Cy Young consideration now. Like, how many teams would lose a guy like that and just be in shambles? Like, the Indians come in, Tristan McKenzie comes in and plays pretty well for a rookie. You know, I, I just think that the, the fact that the, that the Indians can just pump these pitchers out and not miss a step is pretty incredible. Yeah, Jack, I think you really you really hit the nail on the head right there. Even when uh, Clevenger and Plezak got sent down in the middle of the season, we were able to just bring in McKenzie, put him into place. Even Plutko was able to fill in the job there for a little bit and just kept the ball rolling. And then transitioning from the starters to the bullpen, like you were saying, it's been pretty incredible what this bullpen which has been a pretty ragtag group for the most part, has been able to do. I mean, you've got guys like James Karinczak, who led all AL relief pitchers with 50 strikeouts and had a K per nine of 17.3. Nick Whitgren has been pretty lights out and automatic. He struggled a little bit during the losing streak. Same with Karinczak, where he's really turned it around of late. And then a guy we really like to give a tough time, Brad Hand has been pretty pretty dang incredible, leading the league with 15 saves and having an ERA of 2.18. He's really looking like that all-star that we traded for a few years ago. Exactly, Ethan. Brad Hand, I don't think, has gotten enough credit this year for the way he's rebounded. I mean, 16 saves, which is first in the MLB, and no one's saying anything about that. He had a 2.05 ERA. And listen, I'm guilty, and I'm pretty sure you guys are guilty too. I don't want to throw you under the bus. We've all ripped on him at points, and we've all had him under hard, hard scrutiny. But I'd probably say it's prison time for the amount of stuff I've said about him. <laughs> but he's just been great. He's been so reliable for the Indians. He let up uh, four earned runs in July, and through August and September, he's only let up one earned run, guys. So through him... Full two months of baseball, only one earned run. He's really come into his own and been that reliable pitcher that the Indians have needed for a while to close out these games. Oh, absolutely. And I think what's pretty incredible to me is that Brad Hand has able to been able to achieve all of these feats throwing 56% sliders. So he's really just tossing junk to all of these guys. And I was even looking on StatCast and... Uh, when they list the comparable pitchers to him, it shows 2019 Mike Clevenger, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, and Blake Snell. So that really kind of puts into perspective that what he's been doing right now is pretty special because that's some really good company. Yeah, and you just can't put into words how vital that's going to be going into this playoff run. I, you know, when the Indians made their playoff run back in 2016, their bullpen was a huge reason why they were able to go so far because it would just shorten the game for other opponents. And so we're going to need Brad Hand to be at his very best if we want to have a chance, not only against the Yankees, but to win the whole thing. And then, and then again, you know, the Yankees are, are just a tough, tough batting team. And while 
our batters have been hot recently. We're going to need everyone to step up if we if we want to even make it past that first round. And one more person that I wanted to highlight really quick is Ali Perez. That 39 year old, years old guys, he had an ERA of just two, 2.00. And a big question with him coming into this year was would he be able to face both lefties and righties because usually he's just been a specialization pitcher. And he's just been absolutely light outs for the Indians, and he's been so reliable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, most would not be humble enough to admit this, but Oliver Perez has really been getting the job done with only two pitches. 39 years old, two pitches, probably doesn't top out at more than 85 miles per hour on a good day. But he's just been screwing with people's timing, throwing at different release angles, and he's really just been messing everyone up, righties and lefties alike. Guys, do you want to move on to a group of hitters that has been kind of messed up this season? Yeah, I'll let you talk more about this. But, I mean, it's, it's no secret that the Indians have been carried by their pitching. All, all, all in all, the Indians have made it work, but they come in at seventh lowest uh, total scoring offense in the MLB with only 248 runs scored. And then the eighth lowest team batting average in the MLB at a, uh, at a .228. Yeah, so the Indians have really struggled with their hitting this year. And one of the biggest scrutinies at the trade deadline was that the Indians didn't trade for a big or even reliable bat at the trade deadline, instead getting Cal Quantrill, Josh Naylor, who's a young outfielder, and some prospects. The Indians are still searching for people who can carry this lineup. And we've talked about how Jose Ramirez has come in and carried it. But you can't just rely on one person in the playoffs, especially versus a team like the Yankees, to carry that lineup, guys. No, definitely not. And I think it, you said it best that it's really tough that we didn't go out there and get that big bat. I mean, at the time of the trade deadline, we had some players who were looking pretty hot. Fran Mill was hitting around 320 right then, but he's really cooled off a lot, finishing the season hitting 275, which is nowhere near that 320 mark. Lindor has certainly cooled down. He was hitting 280 earlier in the year, and that's down to 258. And he has the lowest chase contact percentage of his career. And another guy who has really turned it around this past week of the season, hitting two home runs in this last series, finally getting on the board. But uh, Carlos Santana finished the year with a batting average below 200. I mean, he led the league in bases on balls, which is incredible. Still had an on-base percentage of 34%, get it, hitting below 200 will not get the job done and not get you the RBIs that you need to win against a team like the Yankees in the playoffs. Yeah, and I really want, I, I like that you highlighted those three guys because it's great that Ramirez can do what he's done recently in the batting department, but at the same time, you know, a guy like Francisco Lindor, I hate to admit it, but he's kind of, I mean, I not that I'm, making a bold take by admitting this, but he is kind of the heart and soul of his team. Like, you know, it's great that Jose is going off, but when you look at this lineup and when you think of the Indians batting lineup, Francisco Lindor is really the first name that comes to most people's minds, and 250 is just not going to get it done. I, I So, again, and then Fernando Reyes, is, 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 we were talking about big bats. Like, we need him to, to have it going at least, be decent, or it's just going to be a mess in trying to score runs. So I think a lot of those guys that you mentioned, and Carlos included, really have to step up because I think they're really important pieces in our lineup. Yeah, one person in particular is Fran Mia, like you said. 
And Fran Mills kind of done the opposite this year of what we expected him to do when we acquired him over the trade deadline last year. He's hit more for average hitting 275 versus home runs nine. Now nine home runs isn't bad, but it's not nearly what we kind of expected him to be at this year. People expected him to be at the top of the league for home runs, but he did have a home run today. He was one for three with four RBIs. And like you said, Carlos, he kind of ended the season on a good note today. He was three for three. He had four RBIs too and also a home run. And then Jose Ramirez, of course, stayed hot as he was two for three. These guys, it's a perfect way for them to end the season on a good note like that, hitting hot. But this is going to have to carry over versus the Yankees because they have really good starting pitching and they have great guys in the bullpen that can blow you away. So we're really going to need veterans like Carlos and Fran Mille to step up and get some big hits and big plate appearances. Now, one place where the Indians have had some glaring needs are the outfield guys. So our outfield has arguably been the worst hitting outfield in the MLB this year. Do you want to read our averages for the outfield, Jack? Yeah, so our right fielders come in at the sixth lowest batting percentage in the MLB at 204. Center field, not much higher at 214. And that comes in at fifth lowest. And then left field is really where we've been hurting. We are dead last in batting percentage at left field at a 170 average. And then we'll talk about catcher more later as well, but... I mean, that's just not, I mean, <laughs> that's not going to get it done. So and it's it's tough because I think coming into this season, like we've had, we have a lot of players that we were hoping, you know, hoping that maybe two or three of them could step up. And that just hasn't really happened for the Indians. And, and again, that's going to be huge moving forward because that's not only is that not, adding runs to the run column, but it's probably taking away runs. So that's definitely something that we got to get figured out for these playoffs in, in, in the future. Yeah, absolutely, Jack. I mean, I have a list of outfielders here, and like you said, some of these guys were expected to do kind of big things this year and didn't really pan out. For example, Oscar Mercado, who hit like 280 last year with 20 home runs, has only has an on-base percentage of 170 this year. And he's, he's been thoroughly disappointing to watch. Another yes. guy who has been a little underwhelming of late is Tyler Naquin. He had a 10-game on-base streak during the middle of the year, but in his last 20 plate appearances, he only has one hit and one walk, which isn't going to cut it for a guy who we probably need to be hitting 270. They went and got Josh Naylor to kind of round out the outfield. And in San Diego, he was hitting 278, getting on-base, 31% of the time, but since joining the Tribe, he's only been hitting 211 and has a 262 on base percentage, so that's really not going to get it done either. Yeah, and our last position that we talked about that just really isn't getting it done at the plate are our catchers, who also rank dead last in the MLB with a batting average of 135. Now, catcher isn't nearly as important as an outfield position for hitting just as long as you have reliable defensive catchers. And the Indians do have those reliable defensive catchers in Roberto Perez and Sandy Leon. Yeah, and that's, I think, also a huge part in our pitching, too. But like like you said, the catchers are not at quite as big of a concern, even though we did rank dead last with a 135 average. I mean, you're definitely not going to be looking at Sandy Leon to carry this lineup at any point. 
or Roberto Perez for that matter, even though he comes through at moments. But the outfield is really where we, we're getting killed the most. And like you said, some of those guys that you mentioned, Ethan, just haven't stepped up. And we, we, just, we just need these guys to get hot just for this little short window if we want to really have a chance. Because, I mean, as great as invaluable as pitching is in the playoffs, at the end of the day, you also need to score runs. Yeah, you definitely need the bats to get it done. And I think, John, you made a very good point that it's really important that your catchers are defensive stalwarts. And I would argue that we have the best defensive catching staff in the league. I mean, Roberto Perez was a gold glover last year. He won the Wilson Overall Defensive Player of the Year Award. And uh, even Sandy Leon has a cannon and can gun these guys out. But uh, Roberto Perez has a little bit of that Oscar Mercado case where we were kind of expecting him to maybe repeat numbers from last year and they've been down. Austin Hedges, we went and tried to get some support there. He's not doing much. And then like Sandy Leon, good God. Sandy Leon couldn't hit a baseball if it was a beach ball and it was on a tee. Like, he's pretty bad offensively. So uh, it's never good. And I hope we don't have to see him up at the plate too much during the playoffs, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, Roberto Perez was is someone that's just a little disappointing to watch this year up at the plate because he hit two thirty nine last year with 24 home runs, and he's around the 160 range this year. So people just expected more from him from the plate. But like we both said, the most important thing is his defense, and he barely ever lets balls go by him, and he's always throwing guys out. So that's the most important thing when it comes to him. And another important thing that he does manage is the pitchers. Do you guys want to get into our first-round matchups with the Indians and the Yankees? Yeah, sure thing. Game one, it is looking like it's going to be Shane Beaver pitching for the Indians versus Garrett Cole pitching for the Yankees. So you have the guy who led the league in ERA last year in Garrett Cole and finished second in Cy Young voting versus the future, knock on wood, AL Cy Young award winner, uh, Shane Bieber. So that's going to be a, a pretty good pitching matchup in Game 1. In Game 2, it's looking like it's going to be Carlos Carrasco versus Masahiro Tanaka, potentially. And then Game 3, if Game 3 happens, it's looking like it'll be Zach Plezak versus Jay Happ, who's really turned a corner for the Yankees of late. Yeah, so the, yes. big, the biggest thing here that sticks out to me is Zach Plezak pitching Game 3 instead of Game 2. If I were the Indians and you're at home, I would want to go all out in game, games one and two with Bieber and Plezak arguably being your best pitchers this year. So I get it, the Indians, if they do get to game three, it's obviously a must win. But I don't see why you would put Plezak at, at game three, guys. Uh, I mean, it's tough. I, like, you look at it and then Carrasco, you can make an argument, is probably third behind Plezak. But at the same time, Carrasco's no scrub. He can definitely get it done, and he has mm-hmm. some experience where I think Plezak probably lacks a little bit more in that in that regard. Um, and then, like you said, it could be purely strategical as well. You know, maybe Terry's hedging his bets and saying, all right, let's not get ahead of ourselves. This could definitely go to game three. I want my second-best pitcher on the mound for that game versus J.A. Happ, who's solid but also is, you know, I think we, we have that advantage in that matchup there. So... I think that's really where that probably comes in. But like you said, kind of interesting to see that Plesak was third in our rotation. Yeah, and uh, that's a really good point that you brought up, Jack. That I think 
part of the thought process might be that Carlos Carrasco, he's a veteran, he's been around this team for a while, and he's been to the playoffs and pitched in these playoff games. So that's probably why he's going to get the ball for that Game 2 matchup. Something else that I think could be potentially going through Tito's mind through all this and Sandy Alomar is that you could bring Plezak in from the bullpen mm-hmm. if we needed to shut down in Game 2. It's it's really exciting in this like three-game series because you have guys like Tristan McKenzie and Aaron Savale most likely coming out of the pen. And there are some pretty dirty pitchers that can really do it from there. And I think because Plezak has some more velocity than Carlos Carrasco, he might be a little more fit for that role. Those are both really good points that were brought up. And one more thing that I think we got to talk about is the fact that Terry will not actually be coaching the Indians this postseason. Sandy Alomar is officially our head coach for the rest of the postseason, guys. Yeah, that's going to be huge. It's Sandy Alomar's first time coaching in a postseason series, and not to mention Terry Francona has been considered as one of the best postseason coaches in recent history. So a lot is definitely going to be riding on that in Sandy Alomar stepping up and really taking control of his team. Yeah, I mean, Sandy Alomar has been doing a pretty good job as interim manager. They've won seven out of the last eight games, which is, like, very good going into the playoffs, good momentum swing, and obviously hope that Terry Francona can get healthy and that everything will be okay with him down the road because that's that's far more important than baseball ever will be. 100%. We're just hoping he can stay healthy. And moving on to our opponent, the Yankees, guys. They're no joke. They're fifth in the whole MLB with home runs with 94. They're 14th in batting average at 247. So they're kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum as the Indians with hitting. They're really good at it. So this is yeah, not I mean, going to be an yeah. easy matchup for us at all. No, and on top of that, they've been dealing with some injuries this whole this whole season. So those numbers may not even be as high as they should be. And, and that's really where our pitching... I think it's going to be a really good matchup because the Indians excel in pitching and... The Yankees didn't sell it excel at batting, so it'll be a real test of that pitching versus hitting. I think we match up pretty well, ultimately, but it's not going to be easy. Yeah, Jack, you, you really said it best there. I really like this matchup because it's going to be strength on strength in terms of our pitching versus their hitting versus kind of weakness, weakness, where it's our, our hitting really hasn't been that great all year, and their pitching has been a little suspect at times as they finish with the team ERA of, 4.35, and allowed the fifth most homers in the MLB, which could could be really good for some of those guys like Fran Mil, Carlos, and Jose. The, in, the Yankees just have some real star power. I mean, like, Luke Voigt led the MLB in home runs with 22. Aaron Judge is a former Rookie of the Year, finished second in MVP voting a couple years ago and can hit them out. And Giancarlo Stanton is a former MVP. He's been struggling, but, like, he led the NL in slugging three times, led the NL in home runs twice, so like we know that he can flip the switch just like that. Yeah, I really like how you brought up Giancarlo, Ethan. We were talking about it earlier. He can really change a game with one swing in the bat, even if he's hurt. like The guy can just hit it so far at any singular moment, whether it's off of Shane Bieber or it's off someone at the end of your rotation like Adam Plutko. He's going to be someone that the Indians really have to look out for and plan around in this upcoming series. Yeah, so I've real quick before we kind of wrap it up here, I have a question for you guys. The Yankees, you know, and well, the Indians 
the last two years have obviously had some struggles in the postseason. I think a lot of it being mental, they just haven't been able to hit, and it just almost looked like a completely different team. The Yankees being the Yankees, the storied franchise, and having all this postseason success under their belts, do you think that would play a role in this series? You know, Do you think the Indians are going to be mentally ready to take on a postseason juggernaut like the New York Yankees? I absolutely think that this Indians team will be ready to take on the Yankees. I know we had that 10-game losing streak in the middle of the season, but this feels a little different than some of our Indians teams have passed. Kind of in the past, we've had those like 20-game winning streaks in the middle of the season and then cooled off for playoffs. But this time it was the reverse, where we cooled off in the middle, and now we've won seven out of the last eight going into playoffs. And the Yankees have been a team that's really given us some trouble in the past, but this Yankees team, while the Bronx Bombers might be back, they don't have that murderer's row of relievers that they used to, of like Rotansis, Britton, Robinson, Chapman. So I'm hoping that we can finally do some damage against them and maybe get out of our own heads a little bit. We're also the higher seed, and that that doesn't happen all too often for us. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We're at home, and one thing that the Yankees haven't seen yet is our pitching, and that will totally be to our advantage. And yeah, we haven't seen their pitching either. But like we've said, hitting isn't our strength. And these guys are going to be so thrown off by people like Plezak and Bieber and Carrasco, Karen Chak, Hent. I think the Indians have the advantage here. Do I think it will go to three games 100%? But I think the Indians will pull out with this one. Yeah, I agree with both points. You guys both made great points. I think, Ethan, your point about it feeling a little different this year totally does feel a little different. The Indians are getting hot at the perfect time, which is the same thing that happened when we made our playoff run. So I, I agree with that 100%. And then, John, you know, that, that's something that I haven't really thought about. But with these teams playing the same, you know, select group of teams, like the Yankees have not seen our pitching staff. And I think that is going to play to our advantage. You know, our hitting has been our weakness anyway, so it doesn't affect us quite as much, I feel like, in that regard. So both great points, um, and I'm really looking forward to this series, obviously. Yeah, and a lot of these Indians pitchers are just so young that really no one has seen them. Like Tristan McKenzie, no one outside Mm -hmm. of the AL and NL Central has seen his stuff. Same deal with James Karinczak. And even a guy like Shane Bieber, who was around and pretty incredible last year, has really reworked his stuff and taken the step from from really good to superstar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just a lot looking good for the Indians and a lot of unknowns that I think might catch the Yankees off guard. Right, and most would not be humble enough to admit this, but I really think the Indians will hold their own versus this Yankees team, guys. Yeah, I agree. Indians in three. I'm going to go with the clean sweep. I say we take it in two games. I love it. That's what I'm hoping. A clean sweep would be amazing. It would really help our nerves, too. I think that's all we have, guys. Thank you so much, Ethan, for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, boys. It's been um. It's been really great. Is it all right if I should I do some shout-outs now? Of course you have right, to. I, uh, so I'm going to go with some quick picks real fast for just like all the whole league. NL MVP, I got Freddie Freeman. NL Cy Young, I got Trevor Bauer. Watch all his vlogs, hoping that he listens to this <laughs> podcast. We'll at the guy on Twitter. Uh, yeah, make baseball fun again. Rob Manfred sucks. <laughs> and then, yeah, my shout-outs, I... Shout out the Hottest Take Sports Podcast merch. I'm in the white hoodie right now. Yeah. It's mad comfy. 
So make sure to check that out and cop that stuff. Uh, shout out my Juicy Boys, especially Teach. They've been putting in work. College Ultimate Frisbee. Repping the brand all the time, you know it. And then uh, shout out my lad Adama Traore on Wolverhampton Wonders. Man's an absolute <laughs> unit. So, uh, yeah, that's who we're shouting out today. I love it. I love it. Perfect. Ethan, thank you for coming on. You always know your stuff. I enjoy having you for these Indians podcasts. And I'm glad to be back as well. Uh, we'll be. I'm sure we'll be coming out with some more episodes. And again, if you don't follow us on Twitter at hottest underscore take pod, make sure to hit us up with a follow. We love interacting with all of you guys, and we always we're always doing giveaways and stuff like that. Again, uh, also quick shout out to Manscaped. Again, HTSP at the at the checkout, you'll get twenty percent off and free shipping. And to everyone That's that bought about, our merch too. Right. So that about wraps it up for me. Um, I'm glad to do this. We'll catch y'all next episode. Peace. And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Big Bad Beats on YouTube. We will have a link to it in the description. Make sure you all go give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Hottest underscore Take Pod. Thank you again to Ethan for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure having you. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again y'all and see you next time.